0: Hearing some of your guys' stories kind of gave me PTSD from some past experiences, too. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Island. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand and at the very least agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about how customers can overcome their concerns with the cloud. My name is Brian Knutson. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for Island and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes customers who have overcome their concerns to find success in the cloud. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introducing themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when overcoming their concerns about the cloud.
2: I'm Galen Lechner. I'm an infrastructure engineer at a healthcare facility. And honestly, overcoming the fears for me has been about wrapping my head around how the cloud can better my company and add more resources to a small IT staff and that's really about what I've wanted to uh, get into the cloud with.
0: Hey, everyone. My name is Steve Broder. I'm a IT manager at American Fire Systems and uh, kind of responsible for all things IT. I've had some background with other companies dealing with the cloud also as both a systems administrator and an infrastructure engineer. Since I did start with a company in cloud that was 100% cloud at the time as a startup, we were just kind of doing cloud at the time, but then moving into cloud with other companies had to start facing some of those fears. And a lot of that is just, with management's concern about, you know, it's no longer sitting in a room we can go see and touch. How do we know it's safe? How do we know it's secure? And as far as my concerns with the clouds are just managing the cost. So I'm not recommending a situation that's going to just balloon and skyrocket on us and run us out of money at the end of the day.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Ryan Labrador. I currently serve as System Administrator for the Bristol Warren Regional School District in Rhode Island. I'm pretty much responsible for managing our network and our systems. When I think about the challenges of moving to the cloud, I think the biggest challenges in an educational environment have been funding, training, and ensuring the privacy and security of our students' data. But by thinking creatively, we've been able to come up with innovative solutions that both fall within budget and ensure the privacy and security of data by signing data privacy agreements with cloud providers. Unlike the traditional, you know, there's a server in a back room and all of our data is stored there, our data is now all over the place. And Our applications are now talking to one another and shipping data from data center A to data center B. So data governance becomes a big conversation that before we knew
1: where it all was. And that's been a big focus of what we've been doing here. Great, thank you all for joining me. Introducing any new product or methodology within IT will require analysis and planning around costs, the vendor selection and project management and cross team collaboration. And all four of those showed up strongly throughout season two as ways to address the concerns customers have when adopting the cloud. To close out this season of the Cloud Bytes podcast, I really wanted to discuss those themes and discuss practical ways IT teams can approach moving to the cloud to ensure success despite those concerns. The cost model of the cloud will be new to most organizations, and consequences of mistakes can be expensive. So some organizations may simply choose not to go to the cloud because they fear making the wrong decision. And having to be stuck with those consequences. We discussed many times during the season items that are related to price from getting bit by unknown costs to being able to see those costs in real time. A lot of research goes into alleviating those concerns, but I'd like to actually zoom out for this conversation and talk about the consequences of getting into a bad situation and how a good mitigation plan can help alleviate those fears. So Galen, you've got a great story on how lack of due diligence can go wrong. Can you share a bit of that story and what kind of contingency plans customers should develop to help reduce those types of risks? Uh, Certainly.
2: So I came on to a uh, startup and I've been there for about five years now. But when I came on, they had just came into the cloud and decided to go with the EHR vendor that was all cloud based. And from the moment that they opened the door, they had never fully tested this EHR cloud platform. So, literally, from the time that the doors opened, they had about a 30 to 40% uptime, which for a group of 20 doctors is not very good. And so, they tried to make this work for about three, four weeks, but over three, four weeks, we maintained anywhere from 30 to 50% uptime. And so, even though they had a five-year contract with this cloud vendor, they ended up having to pull everything back out of the cloud and over one weekend install an entire EHR system for 300 users at our own data center and basically migrate to that, which was incredibly expensive to overnight servers in, get a SAN set up all in one weekend and still be able to serve up EHR for the doctors that next Monday. And in doing that, we also have gotten to where we purchased some applications that ended up being vaporware. And so through the five years that I've been with the company now, we are just now digging ourselves out of the hole that we got ourselves in from our lack of testing products and making sure that they worked prior to signing long contracts. And It really has been an eye-opener for me personally, but for our company now, we are very gun-shy about going back into the cloud because of this experience. And so we have slowly developed our own little hybrid cloud where we moved all of our servers to a data center and then we just connect our building to the data center. But from there, we've been trying to introduce ourselves slowly back into the cloud. We just moved to a check-in software that's all cloud-based that has been very productive for us. But again, it's one of those things where you get burnt once and you dig yourself out of a hole for five years. It's very slow going.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
0: You know, one of the things you talked about being stuck in a five-year contract, I know that's always been a concern when looking at cloud options The pricing seems to be stacked where the longer you go, the better it is. And it looks really favorable. But you do have the other side of what if this doesn't work out and what if things do go wrong and you're stuck in this long contract. So then you really start thinking about that, that shorter one year term or something like that. But then you're concerned that, well, I get all my stuff into the cloud for just one year. It's working great. And then they decide to jack the prices up on me on renewal time. You know, maybe I need to get into a longer contract. So I think that's a very real struggle that everyone faces when they're starting to really price out cloud and kind of consider those pros and cons of going and the risk of signing a long term for the better deal or not.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, a one year contract seems like it's a good time period to really get your feet in there and make sure that it works well for you. But as you said, upon renewal, you just never know what the next uh, step's going to be, if it's going to be exponentially more expensive once you really like it, or if it's going to be a good deal for you down the road.
3: Absolutely. And then to that point here, we see that at the software level too, like, uh, you know, endpoint security products. If you want to buy a software license for five years or three years, they're going to give you a better price on that just as the cloud provider would if you sign for a multi-year deal. So I think in a lot of ways, moving to the cloud, is a very similar conversation to purchasing software applications that you'd run on a server in-house potentially too. And you're still investing a lot of time and effort to get these products and services set up. But I mean, one of the biggest things that I've kind of worried about is, you know, making sure that you have connectivity to the cloud provider. So I don't know, Galen, if you've done anything with this, but curious if, you know, you've done anything with thought about backup internet connectivity or, you know, private peering to the cloud providers, because, to me, one of my biggest concerns is our internet connection goes down and you lose all these applications.
2: Yeah. So we have made sure that we have dual internet providers to make sure that no matter what, we stay connected as best as possible. And so in doing that, we've made sure that one company runs into the building from, say, the north side, the other comes from the south side to make sure that, you know, fiber cuts or, you know, any sort of that type of thing that happens won't take us completely down. But, uh, it's still a constant challenge to make sure that we are always connected and that also in being connected that you still have a quality connection because there's some times where you might still have a connection, but the systems lag anyways. For instance, our uh, EHR system, even though we are now on-premise, it still has a lot of web hooks that call out to the cloud. And so we just recently found out that if the vendor's cloud is down, Our doctors can't log in at all even though we're an on-premise application because it does security checks for their profiles to be able to do e-prescribe and restricted drug access that type of thing so that was a real eye-opener for us
0: yeah you guys bring up a good point too about the connection i think a lot of times we look at focusing on costs based on you know the infrastructure the services we're buying in cloud but then our connections really do become so much more important especially for companies that may have limited internet access right now that's definitely a challenge I'm facing right now, moving into a new company that doesn't have a whole lot of IT need or horsepower. But then when you start moving things to the cloud, well, then all of a sudden, you know, those smaller internet circuits can really become a problem and, uh, well, something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, companies in healthcare and schools and stuff like that, that really need that always on connection. But then you also have other companies kind of like where I'm at now that, you know, we really can afford a little bit of downtime. Depending on the cost, you know, of course, we don't want any downtime, but, you know, is it worth the really expensive insurance policy, you know, to combat being down for an hour or two? So I'm really kind of faced with a new challenge that I haven't had before of just trying to kind of balance that. The what if versus, you know, what we're tolerant of being down, you know, downtime wise, you know, DR needs are a lot lower here. I don't need to spend all the money on something that can spin up or, or, you know, that fails over instantly. You know, we'd be okay taking a a day to to set up a server or something like that. So definitely one of the things that companies need to consider is they look at the cloud, not only, you know, what they're going into, but how they connect. And then what are their tolerances when things go bad?
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with all that. It's something that we have definitely covered in the podcast this season is talking about some of those connectivity needs and ensuring that they're what you really need and can provide the level of service that you truly need. And, you know, that all goes kind of into vendor selection and stuff. And of course, there's a huge variety in the ways to utilize the cloud and sometimes stunning differences in the ways different providers provide those services. So one of the key pieces of advice that was given this season was to plan carefully and move thoughtfully based on your business's goals, which you all kind of already touched on. The time you spend truly understanding your options, the time you spend planning the migration thoroughly, and quite honestly, planning to continuously strive to improve once you get to the cloud were all keys to success that have been called out between the three of you and my other guests this season to making sure that that planning goes the way it should. So, Steve, you've been through multiple adoptions of the cloud now through multiple different companies. You've seen it a lot of different ways. Planning has always been key to success for on-premises projects, You know whether we're deploying a SAN or a server or a new network, but also planning for the cloud as well, as we've already kind of discussed and touched on. Is there any big differences that you've seen where you know that planning process for the cloud should be any different? Or is it just, you know, approach it the same way you've always done it? It's just that some of what you have to investigate is just different.
0: Yeah, I think exactly as you've mentioned, a lot of it is the same, but there are definite nuances and differences that need to be accounted for. Depending on what kind of cloud you're going to, you're probably dealing with servers and infrastructure in some level. So a lot of those kind of checklists and workflows you may use in your planning process may still be very viable through this phase as well. Obviously, we don't have to worry about things like the physical needs of power and location, cooling, things like that. And then, of course, the big difference is we just have so many more options. The options and also, like you mentioned, and as Galen mentioned, the consequences of a bad choice just really make it a totally different animal to kind of tame in that regards. So when you're considering options, you really need to really sit back and I think really focus on what you need from the cloud, what your company needs, what's important to spend money on, where can we be a little more tolerant of of issues. And I think if you really kind of do that kind of homework and talk to management and kind of figure out business goals and principles and ideas and challenges and kind of what they expect out of cloud, it will make the actual cloud implementation a lot easier and smoother. And I've kind of think about planning that you have kind of those three areas of cloud that really come into play here that are a little bit different than on-prem. You've got to determine how you're going to manage it. You know, Do you want to be hands-on or do you want to go to one of these kind of boutique type clouds that just provide everything for you and you don't have to do a lot from your own teams. They take care of all the back end. All you need to do is just worry about running the company. Then you also need to worry about your access. Do you want to continue having nice tight access through, you know, designated network entry points or or do you want to look at more of a software as a service where you don't need to worry about all of the access into the server and the app you just need to worry about just the application and how people get in and use it and then the final key is just figuring out how you want to protect that data up in the cloud much the same as we have on-prem but you have different options obviously a lot of redundancy is built into cloud options which makes it really nice but you still do need to worry about you know do you need to that data across the other side of the country to just take care of those geographical risks and some of those other things that you might need to worry about just as you would with the data center on-prem when you're looking at different locations.
1: Some really great tidbits on where some of the differences are. Otherwise, yeah, I've always found that the process is essentially the same. Planning is still the same. If you step back and look at it as a true process instead of just IT planning And I think to that point, it's business-wide planning too. It's not just planning for IT,
3: it's planning for everyone. And for us, one of the challenges that we've kind of had to overcome is a lot of the products and services in the educational market are software as a service solutions. And one of the things you have to think about is, are you putting all your eggs in one basket? Because we all love single sign-on and we all like being able to go to one place to get where we need to go. But, you know, we've seen what, before where Microsoft has had a Azure Active Directory outage that's practically affected worldwide connectivity to the platform. And if you're relying on that as an authentication mechanism for your product or services that you're relying upon, I mean, that's a major concern for us is, you know, Google goes down or Microsoft goes down and what else does it take with it? And I think that needs to be a critical part of your planning is, okay, it's not just to move to the cloud, but it's also what is it that's behind what's in the cloud? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think anyone that's been in any type of online platform or cloud platform has probably experienced that at some point. I know most people are going to Office 365 and Exchange Online, and you know, I'm sure we've all experienced those little blips, even if they're short, but you know, it's one of those things that We have no control of and it's really hard as the it professional that your users are looking to for help when you say oh there's nothing i can do we got to wait on them to fix it you
1: know
2: yeah that's never a fun one another issue that we ran into just recently is when a user gets their credentials compromised so for instance office 365 we've had to really look into the conditional access and how you can lock it down and once we did that We have all sorts of users that were used to having unrestricted access to their email from anywhere, now only being able to get it from trusted locations because a lot of our employees don't necessarily need to have email externally, except for when they're in the building, because they're not 24 by 7 employees are expected to answer at all times.
3: Absolutely. And to that point, I mean, we kind of have that here too, but the challenge that we have in education is kind of the open access because we are in the public sector. So it's challenging in that we want to maintain privacy and security with also being open. And one of the biggest things that we've kind of run into is when you're planning to go to the cloud is making sure that you can get data out of the cloud if you need to, whether it be to respond to a public records request, or to make sure that you have those records on site. You know, the public records law mandates that you know we retain a lot of information for seven years. And if you switch to a different cloud provider within that seven year period, that could be a major headache.
1: That's a great note that, you know, compliance doesn't change when you move to the cloud. It may change how you deal with compliance, but it doesn't change the need for you to have to satisfy those requirements.
2: Yeah, that definitely can introduce a uh, very complicated problem. So. I have not had to migrate from one cloud to another with healthcare yet, as far as meeting the requirements of HIPAA and that type of stuff. But have you ever had to migrate and like if so, were you able to keep historical data on the old cloud for x amount of time, or did you just have to pull over everything and wait for it all to sync up?
3: We haven't uh, directly encountered one of those situations. I mean, we went through a major cloud migration where we went to Google several years ago and we still have the on-prem exchange server's data still sitting here in case we need to pull data from it. But it's been one of the things that, I've always thought about is, okay, what if we were to go to Microsoft to become Office 365-based? You know, Is all that data going to come over, or is data that's in Google Vault kind of stuck in Google Vault, and we don't really have any means of getting it over there? And the answer to that is really it's kind of stuck in Google Vault. So I think that that's something that we also have to be you know cognizant of is while there might be this new, latest and greatest software as a service application or cloud-based service that we'd like to take advantage of, but we also need to be cognizant of the fact that It's not just moving what we have today. It's also potentially moving or having an archive of yesterday.
0: You know, I think a lot of that isn't too much different than on-prem moves. You know, if you're thinking about moving from one co-location to another, from one, you know, physical location to another, you're going to have processes where you move your data, make sure it's all right, make sure it's all good, hang on to the old one just in case for a time, and then let it go. And in my experience with cloud migrations and working with different providers, you know, you usually have that option to some extent. I'm not saying that's across the board. You know, there may be issues with Google or something like that, but what I tend to find is that there are tools and people out there to help you solve those problems. You know, as with everything, if there's an opportunity, someone's going to make a widget to fix it, and they're going to charge you for it. So, you know, usually there are options for that. At the end of the day, the data is your data in the cloud, and I think that's one of the concerns I've dealt with management. I've just had to reassure them that at the end of the day, it is our data, unless you're dealing with someone unscrupulous that tries to lock it down from you. You know, cloud providers are very open and letting you know that this is yours, and as long as your contract's paid, you can move it out. You know, you might have to extend your time or something like that. There may be a cost associated, but I don't think people should be too concerned about that, from my experience.
3: Yeah, and I agree. But I mean, one of the things is a lot of times when you're thinking about data migrations, you know, you're thinking of migrating data that's in place. And you know, what I'm thinking of in terms of a Google environment is moving data. You know, if you move a mailbox moving the mailbox doesn't necessarily move the archive. And that's all of Google Vault. So you have to find a solution for you know, moving that over as well. So it's not just, a, I guess, a lift and shift, but.
0: Absolutely. And, and I've also experienced issues with that on live data sets like database servers that you can't you know, afford to take offline for a long period of time. You have to get that data moved over almost in real time and have them synced up in real time and then decide you're going to move your
1: production load over to the new server. Yeah. And those are real problems that, I would recommend everybody that is looking to move into the cloud that you know that's part of what you need to consider is and kind of what we cover with the first question is what are the ramifications if you want to get out and that could be everything from you know from that five year contract how do you how do you get out of it if you decide after two years it's not the right place for you to be do you continue to live with it for the remaining three years or is there an exit strategy financially for you to get out of it and then you also have to deal with the technical side of things and. Should you get off of Google before you move to Microsoft or do you do it at the same time or do you do the two need to overlap so that you can maintain some level of data? And what's the ability to repatriate your data back on premises? Those are all key pieces that customers really should consider while they're looking at going into the cloud. So I think another aspect of things that, that kind of goes into this as you go into the cloud to consider is, you know, what are the team dynamics within your organization? And just like planning is a key thing on premises for IT planning, understanding how well you work with the other teams can be a key indicator for success. Whether it be training the sysadmin on a new technology, whether it be adopting new processes and procedures within IT, or even establishing new relationships with teams outside of IT, we have always had to be fluid within IT and adaptable to both the technology and the people aspects of things. So Ryan, you work in what I consider one of the most varied and challenging environments, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already. What kind of new dynamics should IT professionals be prepared for when they adopt the cloud? And how can they position themselves to truly excel through these changes instead of just fearing them? I think the big
3: thing is to be ready for rapid change in modern thinking. In the cloud, more often than not it's easier to innovate and it's easier to have data moving between cloud services via automation and what i've kind of started to see is it starts to become more involved with other pieces of the puzzle that maybe it wasn't necessarily part of before because instead of being maybe a server administrator now you're starting to administer these cloud-based applications or servers in the cloud and be quite honest moving vms to the cloud you're still gonna be maintaining those VMs, right? If you're moving to a software as a service product, you might now have a focus of learning that system and maintaining that system, which in a lot of ways is gonna be different than what you're used to as a system administrator. But I think that the important part is it's not a lift and shift all the time. It's moving to the cloud while also being cognizant of business need and also Bear in mind that when you're making these changes, more often than not, the reason why you're making these changes is because the cloud offers a benefit. And I think it's never losing sight of that goal. And one of the things that I try and do is plan for the future. And what we didn't know was that last year we were gonna have the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think in education, if we hadn't positioned ourselves by somewhat becoming cloud ready, then distance learning would not have been a thing. And that would have been a big game changer for us in education. I mean, five years ago, I don't think anybody in academia within the K-12 realm locally within my area here would have been ready for this. So that to me is a, a major point. It, I think it's also being cognizant of the things. It's I think a lot of times when people think of moving to the cloud, they oftentimes think, I'm going to get rid of the servers. I'm going to get rid of the network. And I'm going to send people home. They're going to work from home or they're going to use hotspots or some sort of cellular connected device. And we're not going to have infrastructure anymore. And I don't think that that's realistic. In our case, we've moved some data to the cloud, but we're still keeping domain controllers on premises. We're DHCP staying here. DNS is staying here. And I'm not, not ready to move them to the cloud by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's a delicate balancing act between figuring out what risk level you're okay with You know, if this application goes down, can you function? If your internet connection goes down and you don't have access to this application, can you function? And you kind of have to figure out what level of risk is tolerable. And you can plan for that. I mean, if, and the cloud also has the opportunity to offer better availability too. I mean, there's nothing that stops you from going to two different cloud providers and running your servers across cloud providers. So if something happens with one provider, you have another. It's flexible too, where you know it's very hard to move on-premise infrastructure from one location to another. In some ways, changing cloud providers can be more difficult, but it can also be easier too. I mean, if you have VMs and you can move them between clouds, then realistically, you can spin up a VM in one provider. You know, we try it out for six months or a year. We see how it goes. If we don't like this provider or we have some issues that we weren't expecting, then we can shift. So I think. The big takeaway is, you know, making sure that you don't lose track of your goals and know that the cloud is not, to me, not out there as a headache. See it as an opportunity to improve operations and hopefully operate in a more streamlined environment.
2: And Ryan, I think you made a very good point about how it really evolves the way that IT operates inside of a company, because when you go to the cloud and say a SaaS solution, you really become more involved in the actual process for the company, as opposed to dealing with the servers on the back end to be able to run that application. And it gives you more opportunity to actually learn the applications and how you can better the business that way. I think that can be a real nice added benefit
3: yeah absolutely and you know from my standpoint i mean one of the big things that we've done here is focused on data governance and data privacy so we have a practice now of making sure that you know any cloud providers that we work with have signed data privacy agreements with us to make sure that they're protecting our students data just as we would with on-prem it's an additional kind of concern in the back of our minds is making sure that our data is is ours and it's secure. But it's given us the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the big picture that we didn't necessarily understand before, because in IT, we're always infrastructure-focused, and now we've kind of get a more complete picture of how day-to-day operations run, and we can kind of focus on finding efficiencies that can help everybody.
0: I think you guys are exactly right that, you know, by going to cloud, the IT environment is becoming more dynamic, not less. And I think part of that is just because of the cloud itself. It's changing so rapidly and so quickly. It's growing up. It's maturing right in front of our eyes. You know, when we first started in the cloud, you know, was it three, four or five years ago? It was really only a lift and shift kind of mentality from most cloud solutions. You know, there was some stuff out there with scalability, but that was just what the big boys were playing with. You know, us little guys weren't dealing with that stuff yet. But now those tools are available for everyone. You can build scalable servers and, And you can do these dynamic things in the cloud that that we couldn't even think about doing just three or four years ago. And I think that's just going to continue to grow and evolve and change. So as IT professionals, as we go into the cloud, we just have that much more we need to learn and stay on top of to make sure that we continue to do things the best way possible because... What we started off in the cloud as, you know, a year or two ago may not be the best way to do it anymore. We may want to kind of adapt and bring more efficiencies, both in operations and cost by kind of changing and adapting new models of cloud that are coming out.
1: Yeah. And I can tell from the three of you that you're all excited about what I'm excited about in IT, which is the constant change, the constant learning, the, okay, I figured this thing out. Let's go figure out this next thing and be able to actually apply it and, and do some good with that knowledge as well as being able to, the more you understand the strategy of the company, the better you are, even at the, forgive the phrase, but the lowest levels of the organization. And, you know, as we're crawling around in the virtual data center floor, since it's not a physical data center floor anymore, you start to being able to better understand why you're doing the things you're doing, which means that ultimately what you put together is going to be a better thing for the business, which is going to improve your company, which is, you know, it has a lot of knockoff effects from there.
2: I found. As well, sometimes uh, the changing aspect of IT and where you become almost more of an analyst in some roles allows you to be in meetings that you might not have been in before or be involved in the processes prior to them making decisions on new applications that you weren't necessarily brought into until last minute before. And that really helps you shape your company as well, which is something that I've really enjoyed. Yeah.
1: I've seen that as well. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You know, some of the things that I think are are worth everybody taking note of, not doing proper planning and testing of whatever cloud solution you're going to go with can be very expensive in the end, especially if things don't go well. So those long-term contracts do have the best TCO, but you may get stuck with something that's not workable. So make sure you understand all the nuances of that. Think through if things go bad in the first year, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of it? Can we get out of it? And really understand what the needs for the business are in that regard. Also, make sure you understand the true needs for availability, because you can cut a lot of costs by understanding that this particular application can't afford to have more downtime than this other one. So one can have a longer RTO, whereas this other one may not need it. So make sure that in all that planning is critical for this. The details of what you do for the cloud may change relative to on-prem, but the essence is still the same. So a few things that may change there, you know, so many options, so much flexibility in the cloud, the burden is going to be higher to make sure you investigate all the options and really drive to the proper solution there. But it is more important in the end. Also consider, you know, the too many eggs in one basket problem. So make sure your data is distributed. Data protection is still important. Make sure that you know any one outage isn't going to affect your entire environment. Again, that's not something that changes. It just kind of goes to a new level when you start looking at the cloud. Also realize user behavior may have to change and include this in your adoption plan. Make sure that your end users know what's going to happen before it happens so they can be comfortable with the change and hopefully adopt it as quickly as possible. And through all that, understand what the exit strategy is so that you can execute it quickly and without a lot of heartburn in the moment. And then finally, be ready for that unexpected and rapid change. You know, cloud moves a lot faster. It's a newer technology that continues to grow. It's impossible to keep up with all the new features and functionality coming out with cloud and any given announcement just because there is so much of it. You know, and it's been true for IT forever. I mean, COVID-19 is a perfect example of that that got brought up. You know, IT will be more involved in the business decisions, be more strategic to the business and see a bigger picture especially as you move up the stack with cloud. So, you know, infrastructure as a service, it may not be as strategic as it would be if you're going software as a service, for example. So, you know, enjoy that capability, that insight into where the business is going. And keep in mind that your on-premises skill sets don't go away. You know, you're not completely throwing those away because more often than not, you're going to have a hybrid environment. And a lot of those skill sets do apply. I mean, if you understand how networking works, you still have to do networking in the cloud. That doesn't go away. It may change. You know, your important skill set isn't necessarily that you know every Cisco command off the top of your head, but it is understanding how packets flow through the network. So a lot of good things discussed here. Really appreciate everything that the three of you have shared. And I hope the audience found good use in this conversation. It's kind of a wrap up to all of season two. But with that, let's finish off this season of the CloudBytes podcast. Thank you, Galen, Steve, and Ryan again for such a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out episode notes, panel's contact information, and further information on this topic, as well as all the episodes from season two at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes in your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. fantastic conversation. It, it sucks to have to end conversations like that. But unfortunately, that's, that's my job here. So um, let me hit the stop button on the recording.